buy you a drink. I'm going to take you home with me. I've got money in the bank. So I'm going to buy you a drink. Maybe we'll get into this, but you know, buying someone a drink is one of life's, I would say, greatest pleasures. I would completely agree. In terms of just like easy, always satisfying social uh, actions, small social actions. Yeah. It means nothing. If you're not being a creep about it, it doesn't like require any reciprocation. It is just like one of the uh, nicest, like easiest, like little gifts you can give somebody that yeah. usually isn't brought with like, even when you're like trying to pay for somebody's dinner, you know, you, you a higher likelihood of running into the like, oh, no, 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 you couldn't oh, possibly. Yeah. Reaching oh, for no, the no, wallet. no, you don't have to. Oh, well, let me see if I can get no, my no, wallet. No, no. Yeah, no, yeah, no one. There are very few people who like turn down <laughs> free drinks. Yes. Including myself. Uh, you 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 face very little resistance when you're like I'm let me get this round close to 100% of the time people are like okay great hell yeah um, once i've started getting enough uh money to buy a round and not be secretly either like <laughs> just like immediately regret it or also like counting how much money i have in my bank account uh that uh, what a gift what just a being gift. able to get a round a round of shots another round please another round Welcome to And Introducing, a podcast about words, about music. I'm Chris Wade. I'm Molly O'Brien. And introducing on the mic, mm. buying you a drink, it's T-Pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, today we are talking T-Pain, uh, dominator of the latter half of the aughts, uh, with over 40 charted, charting singles, I believe, during that uh, period. Sure. Uh, the original rapper turnt singer rapper turnt sanger uh we're going to be discussing his life career through his new book about buying you a drink Mm -hmm. called can i mix you a drink it is by t-pain uh with maxwell Britton and uh curated by kathy uh kathy iandoli so this is a this is essentially a recipe book, a cocktail recipe book. Cocktail recipe with book. a little with a uh, fifty drinks from T Pain's life and career. They're all named after T Pain songs, mm-hmm. uh, and it there, you know there's a little sprinkling of uh, T Pain wisdom in the form of you know tips for how to, how to drink and reminiscences from his past drinking experiences. Just a but general drinking philosophy, drinking party philosophy. philosophy. Yeah, um, but mo- mostly it's cocktail recipes and. I haven't read a ton of cocktail books in my life, mm-hmm. um, but this is a very, it's a good one. The drinks are not that hard to make. They do require some occasionally specialty ingredients, specialty ingredients, but nothing that you couldn't find at like a well-stocked liquor store. Yeah. You don't need to go out and get like, like our other big cocktail book, <laughs> the Trader Vic's cocktail book, which is a beautiful cocktail book. And if you're interested in tiki drinks, it's, it's like a must have, but basically every recipe involves, you know, some kind of like s- syrup that requires an ingredient ingredient only purchasable in New Orleans or like yeah like hi- hibiscus simple syrup or like passion fruit uh puree like yeah exactly yeah and a, a lot of home velvet falarnum <laughs> which I know is a real thing that you can buy but it's like you, that's not something you see sitting around yeah if anyone has actually purchased velvet falarnum I saw it the other day I you I, did? I wasn't looking for it and it just caught my eye but I almost got it but usually the tiki drinks that require 
require velvet falarnum require like 13 other things that you, you know including four five different rums. types of rums yeah my drag name is velvet falarnum that's a good dra- drag that's pretty name. good right yeah i hope it's not copyrighted uh yeah the, it's a it's a it's a wonderful looking tome it's like this the the cover is like a black sort of textured like leatherette with gold accents all the photography is very l- lush and lavish of these like uh sort of glowing drinks on uh black backgrounds with things fl- splashing everywhere so it's, it's a classy book and it would make a great gift. gift it would make a great gift and this is from our hearts we're not doing spawn here we're not doing although spawn. we are bearing the lead a little bit in that in the back half of this episode yes. We did get a chance to interview Maxwell Britton, yes. who is the uh, mix master, the cocktail uh, um, mixologist who partnered with T-Pain to make this book. So we have a little interview with Maxwell talking about the book, talking about drinks, talking about crafting music to drinks, talking about hanging out with T-Pain. Hospitality. Hospitality in general. He so, was uh, very kind and, and a good interview for me and Molly who like going to fancy places in New York and having one fancy drink <laughs> followed by going to an absolute dive and having several cheap drinks. <laughs> and se- seven cheap drinks. <laughs> so yes, that's, a, that's in the back half of, of the pod. So, so stay tuned. That's kind of why we're talking about T-Pain. But I think it's a good excuse to, ta- to talk about T-Pain who yes. is a very interesting and uh, dare I say delightful musical figure you like t-pain's music uh well what do you, what do you think about t-pain where where do you start on t-pain to me i mean t- t-pain is music of my high school mm-hmm. very specifically and he came uh um i'm trying to think where what was his first big one i'm in love with a stripper that was 2005 mm-hmm. and i was a freshman in high school uh-huh. so like he he hit right the the peak og t-pain wave happened when i was in high school when i was definitely interested in other types of music but i still listened to pop music i liked pop music listened to the you know pop radio in the car or whatever so i remember t-pain is like a school dance type of mm-hmm. of thing but i'm sure they played bio drank a bunch uh at that which is funny to play at a uh, high school dance we certainly weren't allowed to do that unless you wanted like a cream soda or <laughs> Like buy a you a malt. Lime. I will buy you a cherry phosphate <laughs> at the soda fountain after the sock hop. Uh, um, yeah, but I I have no complaints. I remember people get getting really annoyed about auto tune, which we can talk about that in a little. We can bit. talk about that in a little um, bit. That never bothered me that much at the time. Yeah. It, well, we can talk about that afterwards. But I I never there there are popular singers uh, and rappers and rappers turn singers and vice versa that I get annoyed by overexposure. But I never really I always liked hearing him. That's exactly what I was going to say. So this is our micro generational difference. Is that yes. uh, T Pain was a college guy for me? Like yeah. this is a big uh, the the summer of T Pain. Uh, the summer that he really, really hit, that he was just running up and down the char- charts, 2007. That would have been right in between my sophomore and junior year mm-hmm. of college. Okay. So I think of this guy as like one of the inescapable college guys. Um, but as with a lot of the annoying, overexposed pop music of that era, which I had to come around to a little bit, uh, I agree. T-Pain, I was like, even though between like low and buy you a drink, he... I'm going, I will say that he was like one of the most inescapable pop artists of the second half of the aughts. Uh, But, and this is where my description of him as delightful comes in. Those songs are not obnoxious because he has Mm. like real musicality to them. Yes. And the sentiment to them is not grating or cloying. And of course it is about going out to the clubs in a way, but it's not, I I found it not... um, 
I don't, I don't, he, there's a gregarious spirit to his songs that I really appreciate. Where it's the, again, like I'm going to buy you a drink or yeah. get low is, uh, w- you know, whereas something like make love in this club is about is a t- theoretically a love song, but it's mostly about how the singer is going to have sex. Yes, soon, <laughs> soon, imminently <laughs> in the club. Yeah, any second now. He's, whereas he's literally stalking around the club, being like, "Where is the where, where is, is the, the sex? I must sex place. now." Yes. Uh, whereas Get Low is, is mostly just about watching an attractive lady. Right. You know, it, yes. it is another person. So, so I found both those songs and they're bouncy and, and, uh, have a vivaciousness to them that I, they always enjoyed. I don't know. Yeah. I think that T-Pain has, an, uh, a, a, a joyous musicality to him that I think helped him avoid being hated by me through overexposure even if he is like one of the most exposed artists of his like moment yes i think that's that sounds right to me i'm just (laughs) i'm just thinking about uh, usher is an interesting comparison or a a foil in a certain Mm -hmm. sense obviously usher's career started a lot earlier and usher i don't think ever styled himself as a a rapper or anything like that but yeah usher's even in his most seductive moments usher is kind of a creep yes (laughs) like he's one of the you know we we got our, our spotify wrapped today yeah. and uh one of my <laughs> most i guess maybe prominently played songs uh, because i discovered it late in the game but I, then i played it a bunch and i do feel like spotify's algorithms take that into consideration yeah. where there's like bursts of things is little freak by uh usher featuring Nicki minaj uh where she of course ends her verse by saying everybody loves <laughs> raymond <laughs> usher raymond the the fourth i think uh but it, it, usher on that song for example he's like he he's a little demon he's yes. a little, he's a little freaky horny demon and in comparison t-pain always has this like sense of uh abundanza like he's all <laughs> he's just trying to have everyone have fun yes he's always appreciating women what they look like what they're doing i'm in love with a stripper is also a song it's not about i'm in love with a stripper and i think i'm going to marry her and take her away from this pole yeah. and then uh like she she will have a normal life and uh focus on me he, he's just he's in love with her for the night and uh uh, he's probably going to throw a lot of money. Yes, he. I I was just re-listening <laughs> to that song and was laughing to myself that one of the first lines in it is about her like descending from above. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Which of course that imagery has now been copied in like uh, FKA Twigs and mm-hmm. um, uh, Lil Nas X, like the 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 stripper literally coming down from heaven. On yes, the exactly. Was <laughs> well, wonderful, but yeah, it's it's he he's not. I don't think T Pain is not a creepy. He's you know he's he's party rock. He just wants yes. everyone to have the, fun. It, it, like lacks a certain uh i don't know cd aggressiveness to it which i know is the fun of a lot of like i don't know club oriented hip-hop mm-hmm. uh but i think adds like a sweetness to it that I, I think makes it i don't know uh less less grating over time yeah it's not like a, a little a, more classic i mean classy, people, classic, people still yeah. i th- i'm i'm not I, I don't think i can confirm this but i'm pretty sure the apple bottom jeans the low song like the, these have got gotten remixed on tiktok now like mm-hmm. they're they're still in the conversation because it's a they're classic bops at this they are classic point. bops add them to the, the american songbook where, where are we at with the american songbook? i don't know we need to get a new edition we should i assume it's just going to be entirely that album that lady gaga did with tony bennett sure i mean yeah that's that's what they're that's what they're aiming for that's what they're drawing and, they should from. Get and put, put chromatica on there as well <laughs> so do you have a little bio background? I have a little bio background. Right, let's, let's go into his life. I look forward. Hopefully, if he had fun making this book, I would definitely encourage him to 
write a full memoir, but also it it seems like his life has maybe l- less drama in it than you know some, he also someone got like a Rick very Ross. Very successful, very young. He got very successful, very young, and is like a driven guy with like a supportive family. So his his name is uh, Fahin Rashin Nayim. N A J M. N A J M. I don't know. I I did not uh, check the pronunciation. Naim, maybe Naim, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, he was born uh, September 20th, 1984. He was born in Tallahassee. That's what the T stands for. Mm-hmm. Tallahassee pain. Uh, his mom was a chef. Uh, his father uh, in 1993 created something called the Homeboys to Men program, <laughs> which is a grassroots rite of passage effort to reach teenage boys in need of a father figure. Oh, that's very sweet. It is very sweet. Yes. Also, home I'm very... Homeboys to Men. <laughs> Homeboys home to Men. Boys with a Z, obviously. Yes, obviously. Um, I, I'm a big fan of... Re- I think we need more focus on rites of passage. Rites of passage in, yes. ado- in adolescence for children. I, I feel pretty strongly. People, about uh, people that. Uh, like to uh, complain about the lack of uh, positive masculinity, mm. um, and yeah, I think that organizations like that, but you know, needs some kind of toughness to it. You need a, a thing where it's like thirty. You need an organization for eighteen-year-olds that's like thirty percent community service. Yes. Thirty percent uh, s- developing self-guided development of skills. Yes. And thirty percent Fight Club. <laughs> yeah, yes. you know, yeah. Uh, Intent, you know. I think of like the Spirit Quest kind of yeah. thing, um, or I, at least a couple people I know did some sort of. Um, it wouldn't be called not not like a fresh air kid thing. Outward bound, I outward think bound, where you like you do like a night, you like camp alone for a night. Yeah, it's like an outdoor program that culminates in a. I had a, I had some friends who did that. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm just Is trying that for to say, rich people. I don't know. I think it's kind of across the spectrum if you think if you think about it camping by yourself shouldn't cost that much money but no. when it's, when it's yeah. within the uh the span of a program with a lot of supervision but, but you know what i'm saying because any kind of like boy like yeah. uh a development thing i i think the crucial element to it is that you can't seem like a wuss for doing it or like a punishment okay you know? yeah you know i'm trying to like get people to get excited about it because you're not going to get excited about like personal development or community service yeah but if the other third of it is like and then we're going to go out to this big field and we're going to just shoot mortars off yes for uh three hours on every every other sunday that would tie in that ties into yeah you know that that's that's the thing that's like and also it's badass yes okay i see i see what you mean that anyway that's that's t-pain's mom and dad um, he was interested in music from a young age, and uh, his father eventually homeschooled him when he was 13 in order to give him more time for music. He created like a home studio, like he was uh, kind of reminds me of Mariah Carey's t- trajectory in a way, where mm-hmm. it's not just like I'm going to write songs or I'm going to sing songs; it's like I'm going to make songs yes. and produce them. Uh, he got discovered by Akon, who I don't know that much about Akon, but Akon's another guy from this time period where yeah. he really blew up um, in the in the mid aughts, and he had the record label Convict Music, which is spelled K O N V I C T M U Z I K. The cool way, every cool possible way you can change the spell of it he yeah, did m-u-z-i-k yes uh after he heard t-pain cover akon song locked up uh with a song called i'm fucked up would you like to listen to this song i i would i haven't listened to it before so i listened to it, it before this it's pretty fucking good okay let's right, do it let's, let's do it i'm gonna start a, a little bit in here because i think like the uh verse into uh-huh. bridge is very good yeah. so this is about 45 seconds in sure As See my lady, lady. see about to have my baby. baby. 
<laughs> That's the part that I wanted to get to. Yes. I like that they still have the locked up sound in yeah. there. The, yeah, the jail doors is percussion is yeah. very good. <laughs> so that's, you know, no no auto-tune. No auto-tune. That is the thing of note there. And you can hear that he's got... My, my man's got a voice. Yeah, he can sing. Yeah. Uh, and ha- has taste. I, I like that song. Uh, so he, yeah, he signs to Convict Music. His debut album is called uh, Rappa Turnt Sanga. Yes. It is released in 2005. Uh, I'm in Love with Stripper is the second single off of that. It's featuring Mike Jones. And it hits uh, number five on the Hot 100. So it's pretty instant uh, in- instant yes. success there. And he's like 21 Yeah, he, at this point. Yeah. He's barely old enough to go to the Which is funny because I feel like when club. he first hit the scene, my assumption was like, you know, given that he's like a singer and he's starlight, I, I kind of assumed that he was a guy who had like been around for a bit, who's maybe like a studio guy or like a, a backup singer guy mm-hmm. or had like sung a bunch of hooks and that was now getting his shot. Yeah. I did not realize that he was like fresh out of the gate, like st- from zero to star this quickly. Yeah, it's interesting. Again, I'm, re- I'm reminded of Mariah Carey of like, if you compare T-Pain to someone like a Chris Brown, who Chris Brown was younger when he... Uh, came into prominence. I think he was like maybe 15 years old. Um, Chris Brown had a way more uh, juvenile presence, and mm-hmm. he was he was very boyish. T Pain is not a boyish. He's kind of always had like adult vibes. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. That's the other thing is that when I first when even when I first started seeing him, or at least by the time Buy You a Drink come out, uh, which is you know two years later, he's like 23. I would have mm-hmm. pegged him at like 28, 29, like late 20s. You know. Yeah. The like weird fucked up guitar on this. Oh, the, the, we are now in the transition period out of acoustic guitar and rap songs, which is too. It's too bad. <laughs> My man can write a catchy hook. Yeah, simple. Yeah. That goofy, almost uh, like uh, SpongeBob SquarePants <laughs> nose yeah. Uh, flute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stay in for this one. And you could hear this. So now he's got the auto tune going, but it's not as pronounced as it's going to be in a, yeah, another few songs it's or another few uh, albums. Yeah. So from there, he gets kind of like a secondary deal with uh, Zomba slash Drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- you know, f- I believe that's a local. It's Florida. Uh, he puts out a second album, Epiphany. Epiphany hits number one on the Billboard charts. Uh, the lead single, of course, is Buy You a Drink. Buy You a Drank. Uh also bartenders on there so at this point he's he's singing about drinking yes and he says in in the book the introduction to can i mix you a drink he talks about the first time he got drunk apparently they they didn't allow 40s to be sold in florida so they but they did have 32s (laughs) and like he he drank one 32 and uh got so like he was like he projectile vomited around his like entire bathroom and then passed out i think he was like 15 years old or something uh so but he's a He's, he's an experienced drinker by by his second album, I assume. <laughs> he also said in the book that uh, 
if when he said Kenya buy you a drink at that time when the song came out, he would have probably the drink in question would have been like a free drink. Like if he had like a drink ticket at a bar, <laughs> like he, wa- he wasn't buying a woman like a, you know, a white Russian or like he a, wasn't ordering a specific drink. He was like, he's like, can I go, get you a drink? Get, can, can I give you money to get yourself a drink? Yeah. <laughs> can you get yourself a can drink? Can you get yourself a drink? Or like we're at an open bar, but can I grab you a drink from the open bar? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can, can i reimburse you for a drink can i reimburse <laughs> you for yeah can you file a receipt for that drink and i will reimburse you now at the club save save your receipts everyone i'll be i need to <laughs> <laughs> i need to balance these in the end yeah <laughs> so the thing as i was looking through t-pain's career that was surprising me in retrospect was that as we were saying he really feels all over both of our high school and college experiences mm-hmm. yeah but I mean, obviously, I, I, In Love with a Stripper was a hit on its own right, but it really is the summer of 2007. Yes. Like, the, like he, he hits big in the summer of 2007. He has, he's at one point in the span of, uh, for one two-week period, he's on um, four out of the top 10 Billboard top 10 songs. Yeah. Uh, it's all Which off this wild. album. And I mean, this is going to be a bit of a spoiler alert, but not that he's uh, not successful, but like, the albums after this do not chart nearly as high. Yeah. But I really feel like he's so dominant for like this one moment that he felt like he was around forever because you would hear like Buy You a Drink is one of those like summer hits mm-hmm. that you would like hear in heavy rotation like three, four years later, you know? Yeah. And you still, I mean, he's on like Low by Florida is obviously like an instant classic now. He was on so many, ge- he was guest versing guest all over the place. So many places. He was yeah. on, um, out of my system by Bow Wow, Baby Don't Go by Fabulous, I'm So Hood by DJ Khaled, mm-hmm. uh, Low by Flo Rider, Good Life a by good life, Kanye, of course, Kanye West. Yes. That's one of my favorite ones that it's he's done. It's a great done. Kanye song. Also, he was on I'm a Flirt, which is, that's an R. Kelly song. Obviously, R. Kelly, um, R.I.P. We, we barely, we, d- we don't want to know ye. <laughs> but I'm a Flirt is one, like, it is such a funny song to me. Yeah. Because the, the again, you just, you really have to separate the fact that it is sung by a sex pest, a, a, real, a really evil guy. Yes. Because it's, <laughs> the, the thesis of it is like, don't leave your girl around me because I'm a flirt. Like, <laughs> it's just like, do you think you can well, trust like, her? Because you certainly can't trust well, me. Well, I like the double entendre there because it's it's both I am a flirt mm-hmm. and I'm going. To I'm flirt. going to flirt. I'm it's a flirt. like it, it is inevitable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, like I can't. I'm not. I'm not going to try to change. Yes. Um, I can't. I literally cannot. I literally change. can't. It is. It is like the tide coming in. Yes. It will happen. Yeah. Soon as the, as the, uh, the sun rises and the and the sun sets. But I say that about uh t-pain not to like undermine it or try to say like oh he wasn't actually that that big it was really just that one year but just about the how like spectacular the the Mm -hmm. success is during that one period of time to just like completely cement somebody as like the the person of a moment yes while not ever feeling overexposed it's just a, it's a very it's a spectacular year of music performance by yes. a person and i'm very impressed by it yes and that was a you know i'm obviously very interested is, is slightly pre-party rock 2007 like it's, it's like it's the in, dawn of party rock. it's the dawn of party rock yeah. because it was it was part of i remember my whole senior year of high school like uh what, what was the one song um i th- i think oh gosh um 
the Chris Brown song Forever. There's just like a lot of lush. Usher had at least one banger that year. Lush was just like very lush, maximalist. I mean, is hooky, that when melodic. Love in the Club came out? It I feel like it's Love like right Club. around there, which is a amazing song. Yeah. Uh, it it was just a good. It was a good time for uh, R and B. Yeah. Now I think R and B. I mean, the weekend really changed. He was like the palate cleanser for the mm-hmm. uh, going into the next decade, where he made everything dark, moody, miserable, uh, <laughs> sexy, uh, like strung out and weird. And T Pain is more in the mo- the mode of like we're having, we're celebrating. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a celebration, bitches. Although I feel like weekend's more recent stuff has been disappointingly uh, like she like upbeat yeah I, th- I think he maybe he got tired of, of being so sad of being so sad which but that was we the all. stuff about that was the good stuff about him oh uh, well you know he'll it's cyclical he'll come yeah. back around he'll come back around but uh what, what was i going to say about um t-pain at this time not i would say some people might argue would say yeah overexposed not overexposed to me and also extremely influential yes like everyone got mad at autotune maybe maybe now we can talk about autotune like everyone got a lot of people got very upset but then everyone did it a lot of people did it yeah lil wayne did it he eventually collabed with lil wayne and they they formed a mixtape uh duo called uh t wayne yes (laughs) uh uh, lil wayne did it kanye west kanye west of course he was basically a consultant on uh 808s and heartbreak apparently uh and and now it's just like second that like it's it's just part of the language of hip-hop it's part of the language of hip-hop like, and now it's like real like hard guys mm-hmm. are like yeah i'm gonna ha- i'm gonna have a sung hook of me future in, yeah in autotune future is kind of the future is like what if the all the tools of t-pain like the autotune and the sense but like but i'm just <laughs> an extremely <laughs> fucked up guy <laughs> 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 well that, so that's the thing about the autotune is like it's like a classic people getting mad about hip-hop being quote unquote like not real music sure it's just another thing to be like ah he's not there it's cheating he's not really singing it's like blah 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 but it, it, you know being mad at autotune for being like quote not singing is like being mad at a synthesizer for not being a piano yes. you know it's just another instrument it's another instrument and it's another way and, and the way that you get those sounds is by using the instrument incorrectly like yes. pushing all the parameters to the absolute limits seeing what it does when it feeds back on itself seeing if it does when you're trying to make it correct things in ways that they're not supposed to be corrected like yeah. it's it's playing an instrument the instrument just happens to be a piece of technology and your voice and then that's the other funny thing like the jokes on you thing you do you remember when he did that tiny desk concert yes and everybody was like oh my gosh she's actually good at this he doesn't have attitude he we, can we'll actually have to sing. play a little bit of, yeah. uh, of that because i you know it was like i don't think he was hiding that the entire time but mm-hmm. he's like no yeah I'm, I'm good at this yeah that I, that is i think one of the the silliest assumptions about autotune is that you you use it if you can't sing uh there's a huge difference between oh, using it. Oh, I'm gonna take it. you home with me, <laughs> money in the bank. Yeah, oh, we in the bed line. Oh, 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 Every, everyone in the NPRF is like, "Wow, wow, <laughs> great job, great job, Tallahassee." It's probably our uh, our friend Mito uh, back there, <laughs> who one of my one of our mutual friends and former uh, 
uh, part member of my D and D crew uh, produced the Tiny Desk concert. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he. It's there's a huge difference between using auto tune to fix your voice and using it as a stylistic choice. Yeah, and they. Uh, you can also tell, like I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example of something. Oh. The share song, right? <laughs> well, no, I was, was going to say an example of using auto tune just to fix someone's voice is that's that it, the share song. Uh, I would disagree. That's to me. That's used as a as a stylistic choice. Mm. Yeah, mm. I think so. Okay. Have you heard? Share doesn't need it. Have you heard share? I, I thought that was kind it's of the giving thing share. about <laughs> about that particular song. It's like late in her career and like they, no, it's an early I, use of the tune. I don't. I, don't I think know. it. I think is both aesthetic and it's a bit of a flex of being like I got I got access to this. I mean I don't, I don't know if she was like a beta tester or whatever, but <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was more it was more that she was first hashtag first if you yes. will. But um, what what was I saying? I I lost my. I lost my you were trying to find somebody who used AutoTune because they oh, needed to use it. Well, if you listen to uh, After the Fact, if you maybe watch Drew Paul's Drag Race and you see uh, the songs that the queens record, uh, they use AutoTune to, to fix their voices there. As a support. Because drag queens are not necessarily Silly, supposed to yes, be singers. And, and, and you know what? That's, that's totally fair. Fine. <laughs> they do a lot of other amazing things. They They're, don't need to be rec- <laughs> you know, like record level singers. No. If they and if they were, then they could just do that, <laughs> as opposed to all the other things that they need to do yes. in order to be drag queens. Anyway, that 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 would be the example that I have. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the biggest um, defense that you could come put up, not that you really need one, is it sounds cool. I like the tones. <laughs> it makes his voice sound neat. Yeah. All right, let's listen to actual buy buy you a drink now. Okay. I. I don't. I think this is probably the first time in my life I've ever intentionally pushed play on "Buy You a Drink," and it's probably the five hundredth time I've heard sure. the song easily. The thing is, is that I would even say that the autotune on this is tasteful. Yeah. It's really like just gives a little flair at specific moments. You can hear a lot of his natural voice coming through. Yeah. I'm also just really appreciating, yeah, as you were saying, this like lush, like synthed out, like late 2000s production. Yeah. It's, it's great. great. And I guess it's ma- Maximalist... It's maximalist in some ways. It's it sounds arranged like a almost like a classical. <laughs> like it's got little like parts. I can imagine this being played on a harpsichord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, this this beat is very classically southern. Yeah. Key Pain is absolutely a southern guy. This uh, is this sounds like the like the song Laffy Taffy. Laffy Taffy. Oh boy, what a like good song. Like you could you could take everything out of this and just have the 808 and the snaps, and it would probably still be a good song. Yeah. There's. Th- there's the just fucking little, synth riffs little, in the background, like, yeah. like the big arpeggios that I think it, you can really tell that he knows how he, he's like a piano player. Yes. <laughs> There's ooze. 
uh, cr- crank that soldier boy another uh this is young jock yes young jock uh most famous song it's going down love that song meet me in the mall it's going down <laughs> what's going down what's happening <laughs> are we going to banana republic this <laughs> is funny meet me in the mall it's going down can we find a better place in the mall i feel like there's a lot of people there yeah, like maybe a lot of chance of getting excited mall? i don't yeah. know it's also you, you know someplace more remote for when it goes down again the similar to uh um it's it what is it uh <laughs> it you know what's what's going down it's, it's, it's going, going down, down so you better be there don't miss it uh yeah buy you a drink good song <laughs> great great song uh and also, you know, it's a ch- it's a chill tempo song. Yes, like you can. It's almost a slow dance yeah. song. I guess it's maybe maybe. You know what? Just speaking again of the strip club, and I'm in love with the stripper. Like, well, I think one of the most powerful things you could do is if you're a fan of going to the strip club, right, making music. music that then gets played in the strip club. That's a that's good, pretty sick. That is that is very sick. That's gonna be up there with being a, a cinephile and having your song uh, get played in a, a movie, movie. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. If you're if you're the thought about song making is like a, an active vibe curation. The goal would be yes to get your songs played in the place that you were thinking about when you're making your songs. Yeah, that's a that's the ultimate intentionality. And you know what? Maybe not as as much right now, but I bet T Pain gets a lot of play, got a lot of plays in strip clubs. Yes, I hope he I hope he does. Uh, do they? You don't have to. What's the royalty? I think you can just play music. You can just play music. <laughs> I don't <laughs> not think anybody's checking it. on that. No. Uh, um. You know, the rest of T-Pain career, he created his own label, which is called Nappy Boy Entertainment. Entertainment. Entertainment, uh, yes. As it was referenced in that last song, uh, he put out a third album called Three Rings with a Z. Continued to do a lot of other uh, guesting, including with uh, Rick Ross, Lil Wayne, etc. cetera. Uh, at a certain point, he also campaigned to become the president of Florida State <laughs> University, yes. which is, again, that's a very party rock thing to do. Yep. Um, I, he, I would have liked to see what... what uh, what changes he would have made in Florida's FSU's um, management and curriculum if mm-hmm. he had, if he had actually gotten it. Yes. Uh, he, it sounds like there was also some label struggles, which maybe also contributed to the decline. He was on um, yeah, was Zomba t- slash Jive, which then RCA spun. They sh- completely killed those labels and a couple of other labels. I, I, was trying to, J. I was trying to look into this a little because it seemed like, Basically, after um, Epiphany came out, it was like super, super massive. Mm-hmm. And then the next al- album comes out and it's still making hits in the top 100, but yeah. it's not making like number ones. And it seems like they immediately start panicking and like holding releases back and yeah like, and say, he's like relabeling. Oh, we put out a single and it didn't go to number one. So it's not a single. Yeah. It's like a pre-release exclusive or this isn't an album this is like a mixtape before the album and which i don't know how much of that maneuvering was like to make up for whatever bad stuff was going down yeah or just trying to do like chart shenanigans or they're doing chart shenanigans i was obviously uh it was a little bit before streaming but it was around the same time the release schedule almost reminds me of someone who would be trying to like game streaming except streaming hadn't really uh reached any kind of boiling point at that point but he yeah the i think i do think the label fuckery messed up the momentum to a certain extent but it also seemed like there was a lot of spaghetti being thrown at the wall because there were still occasionally really big singles such as 
uh, All I Do Is Win by DJ Khaled. Can we listen to that? Yeah, of course. Great. This is maybe one of his more... Was this from 2013? 2013 is All I Do Is Win. Okay. Uh, well, please hold. 2010? Is it that Jesus, early? God, it's <laughs> time. <laughs> it's See, I feel like... no sense. But I also feel like I've only been aware of DJ Khaled for about five years. I have no idea, man. Yeah. I mean, this is also a pretty <laughs> a great song. I mean, just like the this. hook here. I don't really care about anything else about this, but just like uh, this T Pain bit, you know. Ludacris going in on the verse because I've never been defeated and I won't stop now. Keep your hands up, get them in the sky for the homies that ain't making in my folks locked down. I never went nowhere. We should do, honestly, an episode about Ludacris. Lucas might be just cumulatively one of my favorite rappers of all time. That man I mean, has been entertaining very, me since I was very, a child. Very <laughs> I feel like though this does this is kind of like the last gasp of uh, like 2000s hip hop, you know, before it starts giving way to your your Drakes, yes, your Weekends, yeah, uh, people like Future, yeah. uh, stuff like that. Yeah, this is very like Lud- Ludacris, Rick Ross. T Pain, Khaled, and yeah. Snoop Dogg. That's like this. This stuff is not going to persist much yeah. further, you know. Yeah. Uh, I love that song. Great song. That's all, another another song that's very just intentional. I'm, I'm sure they were like, we want this to be a a big song that people play for like you know sports and competitions and when they win. When they win for uh, occasions in which one might win for, for occasions. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so. That ha- that happened. Uh, his fourth actual official album took like three years to come out, uh, and that's called Revolver with one of the R's reversed. Of uh, classic, classic. Um, he get he, but he like he guessed it on uh, Take Care by Drake. He guessed it on the Carter Four. Like he still, I think people generally still want to work with him. I mean, like, it, I don't see why you wouldn't. Uh, He's got the sauce. Get, yeah, get T Pain to come by and do the a chorus hook. That is. That's still going to be good. I mean, and I feel like it moved seamlessly like by like still good in 2013 and then like maybe cool it off and for like three years. And then by like 2017, that's like throwback good, you yes. know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, you, you and that, you, you and that booty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just so many, so many good songs, honestly. Uh, and then he also has a lot of extracurricular activities. He uh, has he played Stevie Wonder on uh, an episode of Epic Rap Battles of History, which is a uh, YouTube. That sounds which funny. I've never. Have you ever watched that? I think I've watched one of them, but it's like as both a online video content guy and a history guy, it's like too many things diametrically opposed to aesthetics that I think are good. Too many things uh, for yes. me to for me to bear. Yeah, I under- I understand that. Yeah. Uh, you you have to have one be like really in the yeah. in the pocket for you for to yes. go over. I understand. Uh, he hosted a docu series on the Fuse channel called T Pain School of Business, okay. where he <laughs> interviews business success uh, success businessmen, okay, business success guys. Uh, and then he's been a, a Twitch streamer. He's been streaming uh, like Overwatch and shit. Oh, really? Uh, on Twitch, which I think is cool. Yeah. 
I don't know. He basically just seems like he so, yeah, knows that's, what's up. I mean, this is a pretty drama-free episode. Yeah. because <laughs> Which is, honestly, that's great. Yeah, because that's the thing is like, I, I like his vibes. <laughs> I like his vibes. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, he's a person that, he was on um the Lonely Island thing, the I'm on a boat. It's he like, every, a boat. he's a person who's like, I, I've been dri- really driving this uh this point home, but you know, for as many for as much as I've seen him, he's one of those guys that, like, every time I see him, I'm like, "Oh, cool." I'm always ha- you're always happy. I'm always to happy see to him. see him. Yes, because he's always bringing a, a good, positive energy to things. Yes, with a a high standard of like quality for the thing that he does. Yes, uh, good hooks, sung well, with some fun to them. You know. Uh, also, I didn't I didn't realize this uh, was happening. But speaking of uh, all all he does is win. Uh, he won the first ever U.S. Uh, masked singer series. Yes, he you played a mo- a monster. Which uh, <laughs> mid court? Excuse me, the monster. Every every critter has, has a, a the, the blank. Yeah. The, the blank. He I the watched ghost, the alien, the frog, the, the bee, snail. Yeah, the and then so, some are completely nonsensical. Have I talked about Mass Singer? I don't think so. And introducing, I got into it a little bit. I haven't like I'm not a completist by any means, but I watched a bit of whatever the season that happened at like the end of last year mm-hmm. when I was, you know, everyone was still unvaccinated and spending a lot of time inside. And yeah, you know. it's like one of those things you do when you don't have other things to do. <laughs> and I have to say, I love, I really enjoy that show. Um, the one thing that drives me crazy is that like the judges have a sort of semi scripted, like weird yes. rapport that makes me uncomfortable. Yes. Um, but other than that, I could, I, I eat that shit up and I have not seen T pains, uh, any of his performances, but I would like to, uh, that show makes me feel insane. And frankly, mm-hmm. all that like network TV, um, music stuff is like so divorced from the concept of, of listening to and enjoying music, you know, like, that's lip, what I like about you know, like a lip sync battle. Yes. It's like so like music and celebrity and performance mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and all of that stuff as product. Yes. That it like it, it's so divorced from any like organic experience. Even of as you know, we're talking about like pop music, which is incredibly industrial industrially yes. produced. But still, it's it's so uh, mediated from any form of natural enjoyment of music. It makes me feel uh, bad, mm-hmm. like my uh, soul is getting sucked. Yes, I I understand that. Uh, but, uh, that that is what I enjoy about. If if you think about if you think about it as an entertainment program that is separate from the idea of listening to or enjoying music that's what i think is fun i'd also i like anything that if an alien came down from space and sat down next to me and watched the tv would be like I'm not sure what's like what this represents for like culture like what's going on here that's the kind of stuff i'm mm-hmm. into of lately but the problem is it's not balanced with any kind of like good uh quality uh music television like just regular style performances or you know breaking new acts or like playing music videos or stuff like that like what that's this is the only shit that's on tv right now basically that's music television and that is unfortunate it is unfortunate i wish there was better music television just play some fucking music it's not that hard or like i watched the opening uh, this is seriously tangential at this point but i watched the first episode of the the newest season of the voice because ariana grande is a judge on it and i like her i do also like ariana grande but so much of the energy of the voice is like the judges bickering playfully with each other in a way that again like makes me feel embarrassed on the inside because i'm like just 
just do just do your regular job like i don't i don't believe for a second that ariana grande and blake shelton are like shoving buddies i don't <laughs> so why why are you trying to put for this thing to me just have teach your little children how to sing and then have them sing off against each other um la- another thing about t-pain that i like is that he often dresses like a fucked up a ringmaster from a circus swag <laughs> like a, like big colorful top hats and like ca- matching canes and like uh, tailcoats and stuff. Yes, uh, which it's I good. appreciate. Yes, uh, he also has a album out last year called "The Lost Remixes" that is just like a bunch of live stuff and remixes that I think sound interesting. I bet this stuff is good. Here's T Pain by- beatboxing at the Roxy. <laughs> Anyway, there's a remix of Buy You Drink uh, on here with with Kanye West uh, that I imagine is pretty oh, interesting. Damn. Uh, so we'll go on into the mu- the drinks part of the uh, show right now because that's that's a fun combo too. Uh, any final thoughts on T Pain? Um, I I'm a I'm a, a big fan. Yeah, and not not just of the music, the the work ethic, the uh, the stage presence, the overall commitment to fun and positivity, and uh, to the, you know, he, I think he made a good book. Yeah, I think uh, if you go home to your families this Christmas uh, and throw a little buy you a drink on the uh, the playlist, if you're doing pop songs, not Christmas music. I think it. I think it'll put smiles on people's faces. I think everybody would be like, "Oh yeah, I like this song." Has he made Christmas? Song? That would be good. I would love uh, T Pain's Christmas album. Uh, and yeah, before we go into the um, interview, the book is cool. If you, I mean, I, again, we're not getting paid for any of this shit or anything, but I'm always looking for good gifts. If you know somebody who likes cocktails or mixology, it's not like a gag gift. It's like real drinks, real good recipes. Yeah, it's well, like the photography in it is good. Uh, all of T-Pain's interstitials in it are actually really funny. Yes. The, be- the uh, best is that he he's... My, my personal favorite is when he says that his favorite drinking game used to be Never Have I Ever, but if, when he plays that now with the kind of people that he hangs out with, it's extremely boring <laughs> because everyone has <laughs> done, done everything. everything. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's little snippets like that. Uh, yeah, and then it, it's it's really nicely bound. It looks cool. It's 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 It would be a good gift for the... Uh, for the mixologist, the amateur mixologist in your life. Yes. Without further ado, we'll queue up our interview with Maxwell Britton, who helped T-Pain develop all of the cocktail recipes for this book. Maxwell Britton is a hospitality king. Is <laughs> I would be a king pit. What's the difference between a king and a kingpin? I mean, I think a king is just more general. Like you, you, you can just be a king casually. Kingpin implies, uh, I don't know, ownership, mogulness. Uh, a kingpin, uh, like a cornering of an industry. Yeah, sure. Okay, that 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 sounds fine. Um, he he has uh bartended and then created like hospitality programs for a bunch of amazing locations. I think the most recent one was at the Roxy Hotel in New York. Before that was Maison Premier, 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 Premier in Williamsburg, which I haven't been to, but I heard it's it's uh it's a banger. Go. Uh, Sh- Sean Evans of um, uh, Hot Ones of Hot Ones has apparently been known to uh, have a tipple there. D- I'm not going to say that word again. Our close personal acquaintance, Sean Evans. Yeah, t- I'm. I'm not going to say tipple. That makes me feel weird. Anyway, um, 
Maxwell hospitality hospitality king uh, drinks pro uh, a, a big big hospitality drinks brain. <laughs> this is the this is the <laughs> best intro I've ever heard. Yes. <laughs> stop um it was it was a pleasure to talk to to maxwell we're we're glad uh he made some time for us so without further ado here is that interview okay but bye you a drink maxwell welcome to the show hey guys how are you so good not drinking it's 1 p.m <laughs> on a tuesday so uh, at least a few more hours a few more hours <laughs> where where are you uh uh chatting with us from i just got back to uh brooklyn from la this morning well, yeah. welcome back we are in brooklyn as well oh cool awesome yeah well um i i guess i have to ask first how did you get involved in this book how did you end up pairing up with t-pain to create about 50 cocktails for this book yes yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, firstly, just a little bit about the book. It's um, 50, 50 cocktails um, that are basically anthologizing T-Pain's music catalog. So the main premise here is that he's chosen 50 of his favorite songs that he's written and produced um, to, you know, be turned into cocktails. And um, so I've been in the I've been in the hospitality industry in New York City for 16 years, I think. Yeah. yeah, about 16 years. And um I've worked in tons of pretty well-known places throughout Brooklyn and Manhattan. And most recently I was managing partner of the Django at the Roxy Hotel, which is a jazz club and cocktail bar. Um, prior to that, I was at Maison Premier, which is a very well-known cocktail bar. And so I just kind of I, I've always had a huge love for music. And I was also a musician when I was younger. I played a little music when I moved to New York and just kind of through my love of hospitality and talking to entertainers and stuff, I just kind of ended up getting near his circle. And when he got a book deal, <laughs> I was uh, I was offered to be his writing partner. That's amazing. Now, yeah. when I don't know at what point the 50 like songs were decided, but uh, did you have like an epic listening session where you kind of listened to them all in one go? Um, a little bit. I mean, it, it was, it took months of, of work, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, that was pretty much the process, uh, initially was, you know, when he had chosen all of the, all of the songs that he wanted to do, we did kind of a survey period where we went through each of them and just sort of asked him like what, what inspired the songs and what, what kind of cocktails should be inspired by them. Mm -hmm. And so he gave me some really specific information about, you know, a lot of the things that he wanted to see. And for me, I challenged myself by saying like, I'm going to get as many of these requests as I possibly can in here without <laughs> like making it too ridiculous. Sure. And so I think it definitely has, it's similar to his sense of humor, which is, you know, he goes between just being like, you know, really talented and, and kind of serious to just being like a really whimsical and goofy, fun kind of guy. And so I feel like the drinks kind of, you know, ride that balance pretty well. I would agree. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that the whimsy does really come out through through them. I mean, it's hard to pick out specific examples, but there are some where you you're not you're not only reading the cocktail list and being like, oh, this sounds like a good drink, but you're also like, this is kind of a joke, you know, yeah. in the in the uh, ingredients. Yeah, it was definitely, and that was and that was the I think like we wanted to strike that balance where you know we made sure that there was a sense of novelty that was happening, but then in other cases, it's like, no, this is. 
the same sort of thing you might read about in Bon Appetit or Food and Wine magazine or something like that. But honestly, the fun part was, you know, once we gathered all that information, that's actually when I did most of my music listening. Okay. Uh, so, you know, as I was processing that information, I was just listening through his whole music catalog. And, um, you know, we started working on it during the pandemic. So it was like the most amazing thing to get to do when there was so little going on in the world, just right. to be able to, like, I felt like a teenager just being in my bedroom, <laughs> just, like listening to hours and hours of R&B music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine that going from... Uh, working in hospitality and in especially in busy cities and then just shutting down to basically nothing would be a tough transition. But this sounds like there was sort of a fantasy element almost of just like kind of imagining the, the fun parties or fun situations that one might eventually make one of these drinks in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I've, I've told them on several occasions, I was like, yeah, you're, you're, his music has always kind of been, somehow in the background of, you know, a lot of bars and a lot of clubs that, you know, I found myself mm-hmm. in and as many other people, but of course, since I work in nightlife, a little bit more present. Um, so in a lot of ways, you know, I've said to him, like, you kind of saved me like during the pandemic yeah. because, you know, you, he was able to keep me kind of suspended in this world that, you know, was kind of falling apart around me in a way. Totally. I, I can't imagine how many times in your life working in hospitality, working in nightlife, in that era when you said you've been working for about 16 years, I can't imagine how many times you must have heard the song buy you a drink. Of course. Yeah. But it must well, be in the, in the, uh, probably in the thousands. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I started in 2005, which is around the same time that he got started professionally mm-hmm. and him and I are also both the, uh, the same age. So, you know, I've kind of felt, even though we only met this, this past year, I kind of feel like I've known him for a long time and so it made it a lot easier to work with him so in terms of the actual development of the recipes is it just you like it do you have like a bar set up in your house and you're just kind of like mad scientisting everything yeah i've got a little bar yeah. in the house um i can take you i can take you guys to it right now if, you want to <laughs> oh, if it's not too complicated i mean I'd love yeah, to see. It's, well, it's, a, it's like a it's a trolley so i might have to take the computer kind of down low but it's not far from me so oh, amazing on a quick little tour of my apartment. Yeah. You know, it does, reading the book and thinking about this collaboration, it does make one think about the similarities of having a home studio and having a home mixology mm. set up. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So, yeah, here's my, I don't even know how well you guys can see that. Oh, yeah, yeah. My little setup at home. And then, of course, I have like a whole pantry that's filled with, um, you know, like spices and um, you know, compounds and citric acids and, <laughs> nice. you know, all kinds of crazy bar tools. It's a lot harder to, to, to work and from your home versus like a professional facility. Right. Um, which, you know, there wasn't really an option during the time that we were working on it, but you know, it was, it was definitely cool to see how much I was able to do out of my own apartment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how- yeah. Again, since there's so many varied things in all of these drinks. Yeah. Yeah, how was there a lot of tracking down of uh of you know specific like brands of of bottles or like obscure ingredients? Like was that was that a part of the journey as well? Um, a little, I mean, there was a couple of things. Not, no, not really. I think it was like I think the bigger challenge was mainly just trying to you know work in some of like the more um, obscure requests that he had. Yeah. Um, but you know, I do. I've you know, like as you guys know, I've been doing this for a long time, so. 
that's been my career for, you know, most of the time has just been tracking down crazy ingredients mm-hmm. and trying to find, you know, the right flavors and the right products and, and all that. So it was a lot, it was, that was, that, that much was pretty easy. Um, and then of course, anytime I needed help, it was really easy to get support when it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm doing recipes for this book with T-Pain. So like, I need you guys to <laughs> help me get this stuff right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I imagine that helps, uh, expedite things a little bit. Yeah. But I think like you guys, you guys have seen all of the, all of the cocktails and, you know, there's a couple, couple zingers, you know, like for example, one of them, there was a lot less requests as far as like ingredients or even composition per se, but it was more like, I want this drink to be in a red cup. Yeah. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, he did say like a couple flavors that he was looking for. Obviously red cups are sort of implicit in, in hip hop and R and B. So I was like, okay, how do I give, and that's the other part of the balance is how do I give, how do I create some of my, give my personality, honor his music, and then make sure that this is like something really unique. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think the red cup is a good example of that. Or there's another one where uh, there's a recipe called I'm so hood. And in that one, he wanted there to be. That's the one I've got uh, pulled up. I think (laughs) I know exactly what you're going to say. Yeah. So he said, you know, he wanted there to be champagne and he wanted it to be served in um, a paper bag. And so, and he did actually also ask for malt liquor. So, you know, we came up with this take on the French 75 and instead of, uh, you know, using um, simple syrup, I did a a reduction using old English malt liquor um, as a sweetening modifier for the cocktail. (laughs) (laughs) And then a reduction of old English involving uh, 40 ounces of old English. Uh, granulated sugar, uh, cinnamon sticks, uh, anise pods, and cardamom pods. Pods honestly sounds. sounds I can tasty. imagine that with the flavor profile of, of an old English. And you know what? It, it's singing on my tongue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was another thing that him and I related that I could relate to well with him is that somehow we are both fans of like the highbrow, lowbrow totally. experience. You know, like I'm obviously him and I both have had like very. Um, decadent, opulent kinds of dining and drinking experiences, but we also kind of just like some of the, like the down dirty type of stuff that you can do from anywhere. And so it's really cool to be able to find a way to integrate, you know, all that stuff together. And then of course, you know, cram it inside of a paper bag. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And I I just want to read one thing from, from here that I found very funny. And then Molly, maybe you can ask about the, uh, the specific experience you wanted to talk about. So the book is interspersed between your recipes and then these nice little blurbs from T-Pain about that are all just kind of like drinking vibes, you know? (laughs) And the one that, uh, that I just had pulled up is the five most expensive liquor brands I've ever purchased while sober. Uh, and it's like, you know, it's, it's a good example of his sense of humor. Uh, Hennessy Richard. I think I brought this one out for an anniversary or something. I got it at an airport, one of those duty free joints. It was like $7,000. Very cool. And you know what? I would love to, to drop $7,000 at Hennessy on a duty free store. That sounds good. And then the other one I liked in here is Gregus Magnum. It takes like two people to pour it. It's very stupidly and famously large bo- bottle purely for showing off. Like, just the the kind of uh, I, I appreciate T Pain coming up throughout to be like you know drinking isn't just about putting liquid inside your body it is about an experience an yeah. activity yeah. a a a whole uh, at certain times you know lifestyle whether it's that very high or uh, very very low and I think you had a follow up on that Molly 
Well, yeah, I so I had read uh, T-Pain's Grub Street Diet when it came out and he had mentioned Mm -hmm. that I think it was maybe one of the first times he had gotten to know you is that you had been to a strip club together and he was impressed that you were the only guy in there wearing a suit. (laughs) Do you remember (laughs) this incident? Uh, a, a little bit. Not, <laughs> uh, that's the correct answer. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually, I mean, like, I remember, I remember it happening. I don't remember a lot. Um, I was definitely really surprised that he told that story. Um, <laughs> but I was also kind of pleased that he painted me so well in, in that particular occasion where there's a lot of things going on that, sure. you know, an environment I might not normally put myself in, but totally. It's an environment that T-Pain would put himself in and, you know, we're writing partners. So it was really important that, that, you know, we had that bonding experience and that, you know, I got to firsthand experience one of those things that he, he quite often talks about. That's, that's, you know, for him, it's a lot of people think a strip club is like a place to go see naked women, but for him, it's like, it's his clubhouse. Like it's just, it's a place he just likes to hang out. Right. And I remember when we went in, like just every single person knew him, like that worked there and they had a table ready for us right away. And we sat down and had uh, lemon pepper wings, which are very famous in Atlanta oh, where he lives. Incredible. Um, and yeah, that was his, and I thought he was going to take me to another strip club because um, the really famous one in Atlanta is called. Um, Magic city. Uh, Magic city. Yeah. yeah. So I thought we were going to go to Magic city. Cause you know, Rick Ross talks about Magic city a lot and a lot of rappers talk about Magic city. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one was called the Oasis. And, um, yeah, it was amazing. It was, it was a really, really incredible experience. Um, he gave me a, he gave me a workshop on how to, how to throw money. Yeah. Stage, which was, which was also really interesting. So thing to learn. And so now I, I know how to do that. <laughs> yeah. It does sound at least from the Grub Street diet that, uh, he, he enjoys the strip club and also like, yeah, the, there's sort of, uh, e- etiquette and kind of a way of doing things that sort of agrees with his vision of abundance, which I, which I appreciate. I do think that came through with the drinks too, of just like all every, every drink in this book, it seems both like kind of an indulgence and like something that you could serve at a party for a lot of people and be like a people pleaser thing. So I, yeah. I feel like I, I caught T-Pain's vibe through that. Definitely. And I also just have to say that, you know, another thing that he had talked about regarding that, that night out was just about his, he just has this great respect for people that work in hospitality. Totally. And that's just something that's really clear if you spend time with him, if you go with him anywhere, um, you know, he's always v- acknowledges everybody that, you know, is looking after him and he's always very grateful and just the, the, that kind of respect to see coming from anybody, I think is really important. But when it comes from somebody who's just so famous and so revered and still just that down to earth and, you know, that's, it just says volumes about who he is as a person. Uh, just on that idea of like what is hospitality as an idea, you know, you, you say you co- you've come up, you spent 16 years in, you know. New York hotel bars, you know, that is a very certain type of the idea of hospitality. And, you know, T-Pain is a rapper and singer and comes to it from the world of, you know, the music industry and, um, you know, a a different way of entertaining. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, do you, do you find, are there any significant, like, do you find that you come to the same place from your, those two different experiences? Or are there any significant, I don't know, differences that, that are places where you could learn from each other or did learn from each other? Um, I don't know if you could say we learned, I mean, we, I definitely, we learned about each other, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but I think that more or less it's, there's just, there are a lot of parallels um, that you can draw on and, you know, hospitality is entertainment, you know, people mm-hmm. that, you know, want to spend their money going to bars and restaurants, um, or hotels are kind of looking for a suspension of their reality and to kind of like step away from their real lives for, you know, a day or a few hours or whatever, and just sort of have somebody be in someone else's hands. That's going to have uh, anticipate, you know, like, your, your desires and your interest and, mm-hmm. and all that, that's, that's hospitality. And in that same way, you can say that about, about, you know, going to concerts and, you know, buying records and stuff like that. It's just, it's, it's just this couple of hours where, you know, we get to just sort of like walk away from real life for a second. And it's our jobs to create that atmosphere for people. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask, you know, T-Pain has some, uh, his own rules for drinking like a pro, which I, yeah. I think you can learn a lot from. Do you have any rules for drinking like a pro? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't, I've been doing it for so long. It's, uh, it's hard to say it's kind of second nature at this point. Um, I would say at least for me, because I do it professionally, you have to pay, you have to be really careful with your schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good one, honestly. You know, that's you that's like half of my uh, drinking mindset is like, what do I have going on tomorrow? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should definitely, you should definitely have, have your week planned out sometimes, <laughs> depending, you know, like when I hang out with T-Pain, I usually buffer like a day before and a day or two after. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> Um, but you know, obviously not everyone's hanging out with T-Pain. So I would say, you know, like hydration is definitely really, really important. Um, pacing yourselves. Like, I don't know if, uh, I don't really think there's such thing as like a real, real like hangover cure, to be honest. Um, that was going to be a follow-up. I I was going to ask, you know, if with your experience in the hospitality industry, if there's any, any, uh, a follow, follow up, uh, tips you have, but it's the greatest. I think like if anything, just as I've gotten older, cause you know, I started really young and now, now I have to like take Alka-Seltzer sometimes or like, you know, there's a classic, Yeah, (laughs) you know, it's just mostly classic stuff. Um, but I don't, I personally don't, I personally don't believe in like, the myth of like mixing things together. If, mm-hmm. I mean, if anything, I know a lot, I know a lot about like the sugar indexes of like a lot of the things that I drink. Yeah. So, you know, like that's mostly what I'm thinking about. Like, I'm not going to be, I don't want to drink like a whole bunch of daiquiris, which have like tons of acid and tons of sugar all night long. That's going to give me the hangover. It's not going to be the shot of whiskey that I had afterwards. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so I guess I'm just a little bit more methodical, but at the end of the day, we're all human beings and we all get hungover. Like, <laughs> uh, so obviously this is a very specific uh, cocktail book because you're um, deriving, you know, your inspiration from these things, uh, from the work of T-Pain and the whole uh, vibe of, T- of T-Pain, T-Pain's whole thing. But I was wondering if there are maybe, uh, you know, some parts about putting together a cocktail book, some parts about generating the recipes, things like that, uh, you know, that, that readers might not expect. Is there, is there anything that goes, that goes into this, um, you know, be beyond, 
beyond the page that that might be surprising to people? It's very similar to doing menu, like a cocktail menu, which okay, I've been yeah. doing for a really long time. And I think like if anything, this might have been made it a little bit easier to work with because there's so many different um, templates to follow, but that so so is a cocktail menu. It's mm. really a template. And so you have to be able to make sure that there's a good diversity, a good range of like different things that people can choose from because maybe not everybody wants to drink gin or whiskey or tequila or whatever. Maybe some people don't want juice. Maybe some people want something stirred and boozy. And so a lot of it is also just kind of like working through the balance of it all and just kind of making sure that you check off all the right boxes and that the variety, um, you know, kind of work, works in favor of, of the audience in a way. And that's the same thing as like doing a cocktail menu. So I would say that's one thing. Um, so I like mean, uh, when, when you were ideating this, was it almost, you know, like a screenwriter who has the list of note, like note cards with different uh, scenes where you have like, your spread and you've got the songs, but then you're like, mm, no, there's too many. I've got, you know, six mezcal drinks and I, I really should only have like four in here and, you know, taking stuff yeah, off yeah, and putting yeah, it yeah. on. Well, what a lot of people don't know about me is um, that I'm actually way more of like an operations expert. And so, you know, I spend some, I've like kind of retired from bartending behind the bar mm -hmm. a while ago. And um, I've spent many years behind the scenes. And a lot of it is just like the production and organizing. And so like I've become very obsessive over doing spreadsheets and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So I had built this like insane matrix. It was so <laughs> good. I needed like two computer screens and in order <laughs> to be able to like see everything. And there was like drop down menus and everything. And so I became, you know, like very operationally minded. And I was just like, sort of like quantifying like everything and, yeah. and all of that, you know, and then the public, my publisher, you know, was like watching my work and he was just like, you liked it, but he was just like, this is it's like, you need to just like, as soon as you're done, please just put this into a word doc. Cause I don't even understand, <laughs> yeah, I don't right. even understand what I'm looking at. <laughs> the, the kind of organizational level level word appears to be insanity for, to anybody who's on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was definitely, uh, I, I definitely couldn't have done it without that kind of organization though. Um, you really do need to map these things out far in advance mm -hmm. and you know, there's a lot of different people's interests involved and you have to make sure that you're keeping all of that in mind the whole time. Totally. And then the photography in this book is incredible. What, what was it like to kind of see these creations then turn into real, real drinks that get these kind of like glamorous treatment. Yeah, it was awesome. That was definitely, that was definitely another really fun part of, of doing the book. And, you know, that was another column of the spreadsheet, <laughs> but, um, you know, that was kind of towards the end. It was probably like in column Q or something like that. <laughs> um, and, uh, all of that was just a bunch of stock images and other images of, you know, different cocktails that I've done in the past or cocktails that I was inspired from, from other bartenders. Um, so, you know, I had, you know, as I was developing the recipes, I kind of, I really was able to shape, you know, a lot of what I had in mind, but we also had a really good photographer and a really good stylist that we worked with. And so, that also, of course, brought it to life. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have to ask, uh, you know, beyond these uh, drinks and in, in this uh, collaboration with T-Pain, what, what would you say? And, you know, also coming out of COVID and like nightlife kind of happening again. What's the next like big drink trend for people? If you can do some trend spotting for us. 
Oh my God. I don't even, I'm not sure. Honestly, <laughs> I think everyone right now is just like really happy just to like go back inside of a, inside of a restaurant or bar. You know, I yeah. think like in some cases it seems that there's, there's still this like progressive push among like the elite of the food and beverage scene that are, you know, still really trying to push the envelope and put out, put out new things. And then I think there's also this sort of just sigh of relief that, you know, we're back in bars and restaurants and that's more precious than, mm. you know, like whatever crazy recipe I'm putting into the book or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm beginning to see a return of like some of that like sort of competitive trend setting that people do, but I'm not, I don't know if I can spot anything right now. I mean, I noticed that uh, at least in at least one of these uh, beverages that you had uh, White Claw as a mixer. And I mean, it must be <laughs> for, for as exciting as it is on the consumer side, it must also be exciting for like a whole new genre of <laughs> uh, like liquor to be invented, basically, you know, like yeah. that yeah. just simply didn't exist three or four years ago. Yeah, for sure. Actually, that's that I guess I could come back to the the last question a little bit. I think there's a lot of pandemic trends that, you know, have mm. come along. And so there's like a, a much larger um, selection of hard seltzers and ready to drink bottled or canned cocktails or, mm-hmm. you know, cocktail kits and, and things like that. I think like there's definitely a hospitality market mindset towards like how can we give these kinds of experiences to people at home and um you know, like I think I used to be one of those bartenders that that would kind of like shit on, you know, things like hard seltzer or, you know, anything sure. else like that. But um, as I get older, I realize like it's better it's better to to lean into it, you know, and 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 create things that are relatable to people. And also, it's more of a challenge. It's more fun to be challenged. I don't want to just I don't want to force stuff down people's throats. I want to try to like play with people with what people like. All right, the song is buy you a drink. I'm asking mm-hmm. you to put yourself in the mindset of T-Pain, the protagonist of that song. You are buying uh-huh. the drink. What drink are you buying for someone? Wait, so am I, I'm T-Pain and I'm buying someone a drink? Yeah. Okay, well, I don't know if this is going to answer your question well, but I need to tell you this story because this, sure. really, this is really funny. Please. Um, and I might even be able to send you guys a video as well. <laughs> oh, great. Because uh, this just happened um, the other night. Um, but, uh, we, T-Pain and I were hanging out and we were having dinner and it's really fun. So we decided that I'm like his hospitality translator. So (laughs) like, so, you know, we were having dinner at a really nice restaurant and, you know, he, he eats well, dines well, drinks well and everything, but he, he really looks to me to, you know, guide him and, Mm. and he loves, and it was really funny because I didn't realize it until Saturday like they were all just watching everything that I ordered. <laughs> what is that? Like, what is this? What are you having? And so we had a nice long meal and then we ordered dessert and the server asked if we wanted to have any after dinner drinks. And I said, um, yeah, I'd like to have some green chartreuse, please. And, um, <laughs> big fa- big you know, fan. yeah, a digestive, you know, and, yeah. and, and I knew we might be partying a little bit. So I kind of wanted to get a little amped up and, yeah. um, and we have a green chartreuse cocktail in the book. Uh, the the song is Cartel. That's um, that is the one that we made. Uh, yeah, okay, we actually cool. had a little yeah. uh, a little party here Saturday night, and this probably isn't the recommended uh, uh, 
service for it, but uh, you know, I, it's it's an easy one because all the ingredients are simple. So I kind of yeah. made a large yeah. batch of it. Uh, yeah, and uh, served our whole crew cartels. Delish. We have the and yeah. we have the and then we had an aperitif uh, of green chartreuse before we went out and hit the bar. Nice. Yeah. So he's had that cocktail, of course, but um, we haven't done a whole bunch of just spirit tasting yeah. on its own. And so he was like, I want to try that. And I was like, do you want me to order you one? And he said, yeah. And um, so, you know, I was like talking him through it and explaining to him, you know, the history of green chartreuse and mm. what goes into it and, and, and all of that sort of stuff. And then I kind of freaked him out a little bit. Cause I was like, also like think twice about this before you drink it. Like this is really strong stuff. And he was yeah. like, what do you mean? I was like, well, it's 55% in alcohol by volume. And, you know, I don't recommend everybody to drink something that you can set on fire, which I did at the table. I set it on fire. <laughs> it was like, Holy shit. Oh my God. This is so crazy. And then of course he got to taste it and I filmed his whole reaction and it was just, it was so funny just like watching it like describe oh the whole experience of drinking green chartreuse, which is definitely not for everybody, but, um, you know, I just love introducing him to things and it was so cool to get a drink for T-Pain and have him, have him try something he's never had before. That's incredible. I, you know, I think it's, uh, you, there's no way you would know this, but I think even for us specifically, that's such a perfect answer because I think, uh, as both of us would say, if we were to go up to the bar, uh, to uh, each other at the bar and say, "Hey, can I buy you a drink?" and the other person says, "Yeah, I'll take a green chartreuse," you know that person's a keeper. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's, exactly. That's taste right exactly. there. Yeah, wow. it definitely has its place in uh, in um, cult pop culture for sure. Yeah. Yes. Now, do yeah. do you think T Pain would uh, get? Would he drink it again, or was that like just a special one one time moment? Uh, no, but I do think that he would definitely make his friends try it. There you go. There that's we go. yeah. That's the like sort of a uh, uh, viral spread of of drinks is make, making other people get the thing that you got, and then maybe they'll make yeah. someone else get yeah. it, and and on and on. Exactly. That's incredible. <laughs> well, th thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show and talk about the book. It's incredible. Yeah, the book is again for our listeners. Can I mix you a drink? Cocktails from my uh, 50 Cocktails from My Life and Career by T Pain and Maxwell Britton. It's a wonderful little cocktail book if you like uh, that kind of thing, which we certainly do. Which we do. It's also a really good holiday gift. It is. Totally. That, this yes. would be a great gift for anybody in your life who likes uh, fancy cocktails, the music of T Pain, or both. Hey, it's me. It's me, Molly, in the edit. I'm recording on my phone because I am too lazy. I'm so sorry, but uh, here's the ending patter. Thank you for listening to the show. You can find us in the place where you find the shows, uh, soundcloud.com slash and dash introducing and and dash intro dash pod. Uh, that's soundcloud.com slash and dash intro dash pod. Oh my God. Oh no. You can find us there. You can rate, you can review, you can subscribe, you can tell a friend. Please tell a friend. Uh, you can send us an email at and introducing pod at gmail.com. I actually don't know what it is. Oh wait, and introducing pod. Okay, great. Um, you can send us an email at andintroducingpod at gmail.com. I'm a little behind on responding to listener mail, but I'm going to catch up in this last month before the holidays uh, come careening toward us. That That's it. Um, no, nothing to plug, I think, from either end, but uh, thanks for listening as always, and keep, keep staying tuned for more episodes of this podcast, which is And Introducing. Okay, bye. Bye.